Hey everybody, welcome to Listen Money Matters. If Woody Allen said that 80% of your success in life is just showing up, then the other 20% is just following up. Hashtag mic drop. My name is Matt, and I'm here as always with Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking? Mm. You so eloquently hashtagged that mic drop. Thank you. Um, Why are we, is that? I hope that's not a Woody Allen quote. I don't know. Okay. I mean, blame Brian. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Thank you for our catchphrase from hopefully not Woody Allen. Uh, um, I uh, I'm drinking a Gun Hill Side Squeeze. It's a Grisette. Oh yes, you're still you're still crushing those. Yeah, this is my last one. Okay, I drank a few by myself. I would Cause, say because I remember that four was four by myself. I was going to say that was a four pack that we bought back in December. Oh, you're right. So I drank two by myself. Maybe I drank one with one you, with me. Yeah, and then two on the show. Yeah, because yeah. there were sixteen ounce cans. Yeah, yeah. Well, yesterday I was I was crushing some more of my departed mm. Brewing Co. Nice beers. Um, I am drinking Outer Range again. Uh, this one's called Echoes, and it's an India Pale Ale. I was just up in uh, Frisco. Wait, you're drinking Outer Range? I know. Wait, what? Chance? You know, because I drink it all the time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because I, I, it's my favorite brewery in the world. And they're. Uh, it is also. They did do that whole, like, one beer every day of the year. No, that was Weldworks. Oh, I, you interchange them so seamlessly. Because <laughs> they're. Yeah, I mean, they make similar beers, and, you know. But mm-hmm. Outer Range has better can design, and uh, they're I was going to say, the snowy peaks on that can. Dude, yeah, this one Top also notch. has snowy peaks. Well, that, that's the can I was that's talking the, about. Oh, this is a, no, hot. this is a totally new one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. Thanks, Brian, for uh, your quote, for your uh, catchphrase for today. Appreciate that. Um. Anyway, <laughs> looking at this other piece. Uh, but today, what you know, what are we doing today? I think today is a special day because we're doing five questions, motherfucker. Woo! I love five questions. I know, dude. I wish every episode could be five questions. I told you that. I wish my life was just only five questions. In You mean like wake up in the morning, get five questions? You have just, lunch, get five questions? And, and then that's it. I achieved the day. Yeah, I, I would be tired shit. of answering questions all day, though. I'm like, nah, ah, leave me alone. I want to watch Netflix. <laughs> Um, all right, let's uh, let's do this shit. Question number mm. one comes from Cameron. <laughs> Cameron. <laughs> Smart saver account. I currently have an emergency fund sitting in a regular money market account. Do you think it would be smart to move it to a new Smart Saver account with Betterment? Do you know what it is, Matt? I know what a Smart Saver account is. I don't think I know what a regular money market account is and why well, tell me what a smart saver account a is. smart saver account thank you for asking uh is a <laughs> is a betterment it's technically a brokerage account but it is an invest it's invested in 100 percent bonds instead of like a split between mostly wrong wow are you serious <laughs> yeah yeah mostly All wrong. right well, so me i then. mean i mean technically it is yeah in a brokerage account but uh it is uh, a lot of bonds. It's also a lot of U.S. Treasuries. Okay. And it's uh, and just to kind of explain what a money market account is, it is an account that is invested in extremely low risk things mm-hmm. that 
typically if you were with someone like Fidelity, you'd have your money in there. And instead of it just being in cash, right. it's just by default in a money market account, so you're earning something. Like um, what? What would a regular money market account be earning? And that's the thing is they're they're usually low. Yeah, they're they're above zero. Well, they're, percent, they're rather low. Per, you know, percent. You mean above above zero percent return? Right, above above zero percent. And and I don't have any numbers off the top of my head of um, what they would be, mm-hmm. but they they've typically been, I mean, better than nothing. Uh huh. Right. Uh, Betterments is uh probably a little bit better than the average. I don't know if they're the best, uh, but uh, they are 2.2%. Yep. Um, and, uh, okay, so to answer the question, um, I think in terms of interest rate, they're, they're pretty good. Uh, and like the past few years, uh, what? What? No, they'll go. Oh, no, no, you looked like you, looked like you were gonna like. No, I, I, I do have something to say after this, but continue. All right, so. So uh, inflation has been about 2% yeah. in the past few years. And so if you just have it in your checking account, you're literally losing 2%. Mm. And so if you put in something like the Smart Saver account, you will be earning a little bit above inflation. So actually, you won't be losing money. So I think it is better to have it there you know, or something above 2%. Okay, but, what, but as opposed to a money market account. So... It it is very much similar to a money market account. Okay, um, without getting into the weeds. Okay, here's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. The Smart Saver account, from my understanding, is not FDIC backed because it is a brokerage account. Right. Okay. But do you know what FDIC is? Yes. Because I think you saying that means that you don't really understand. Well, you're protected up to $250,000 in losses. From what? From the government. <laughs> no, what are you protected from? The bank Dinosaurs? going under. Oh, right. So the I, so the the point is back in the day, there were runs on the bank. Sure. Right? Like people would come and then take all their deposits out and then there wouldn't be enough money to service people. And so like people were being they're becoming afraid to put their money in banks. Yes. So what it does is it protects against runs on the bank. Yes. So your mo- first of all, banks have to keep your money separately anyways. And ba- so the point being, um, and runs of the bank really just aren't a thing anymore. So you're just protected from your money like evaporating. Okay. Fine. Yeah. I, I, I want to, but my it point. It is not quite the insurance of any... You know, so right now, Betterment is saying that the Smart Saver account is two point two percent interest, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And and it there's a little asterisk on that because as interest rates rise, sure. it'll go up. As they go down, it'll lower. Hundred percent. I just got an email from Ally Bank, which is an I have a, a regular savings account. They are a, just a regular bank, and my savings account is two point two percent. Really? Yeah, two point two percent annual percentage yield. It just went up. So, my my second axe to grind or yeah. second point is: do you know what two way sweep is? No. So they have this thing. Are you saying two way street? You're just saying it weird. <laughs> uh, sweep. Oh, okay. Like like a broom. Yeah. And the idea is, you know, you have your 
um, checking account and you have your savings account and you have to, you know, make sure you have money in your checking account to pay your expenses. Uh, but you also want to have money in your savings account. But what two way sweep does is it analyzes all of your expenses and it keeps more than enough money in your checking account so you can cover your expenses times whatever buffer yes. and they'll, they'll suggest something, but you could change it. Um, and then, uh, It'll move everything else to the sweep account, right? Or you know, and basically it'll move it back if you need it, so that you will be always getting the highest interest rate possible mm. on your money. Yeah, um, Ally doesn't have that yet. Got it. Smart Saver is right. So Smart Saver has two way sweep. There you go. Essentially. All right. Well, Cameron, I hope that answers your question. But I also have a pro tip. Oh, pro tip! <laughs> pro tip. What's Andrew's pro tip? Yeah. So, Andrew's um, Pro Tip Corner brought to you by Betterment. <laughs> <laughs> They're actually not paying us to say this, no, but if you do want to support the show, you can go to listenmymatters.com slash Betterment. <laughs> but the pro tip is people, like, one of the very frequently asked questions is people want to know when to invest, like, what, how much money they should have to invest. Yeah. What you could do is you could set up a smart saver account with two-way sweep, and then you could say, okay, when two-way sweep gets over $10,000, over $20,000, I will just invest whatever is over that. Mm. And so it is automatically going to fill itself up based on your expenses. Cool. And, you know, like once a month, twice a month, you just check, and then you'll know. There so you just go. kind of... Yeah. All right, cool. Um, let's move on. Thank you, Cameron. Now, question number two comes from Laura from Iowa. She says, this is somewhat of a two-part question. If you don't have time for both, that is okay. But guess what? We're making <laughs> We're time. Doing <laughs> <laughs> she writes, I am a 22-year-old female. I graduated from the university last May, and I am starting to pay back my student loans. I have $12,000 total with an average interest rate of 3.8%. I have saved up and have the ability to pay them off right now, but I don't know if I should or if I should use that money to invest elsewhere. Right now, all my money is just sitting in a savings account. Should I follow the prescription and pay off student loan debt monthly? Should I pay it all off now? Should I refinance them elsewhere? My credit score is perfect according to Credit Karma. Now, let's just stop there mm. and answer that first part of the question because I already have my answer, but I want to hear yours. Well, okay. I was going to say you could tell me, but I'll, I'll tell you mine. Yeah. So I would say, again, inflation is about 2%. Yeah. And so student loans, first of all, below 4% is like nothing. But when you subtract inflation, you're really only paying 1.8% which is at about as close to freeze it's going to get. And that's if I'll, you're that's if you're getting raises according to inflation. If you're not What do you mean? Right? If if you know, like if you're not making more money than than like if you're not getting raises according to inflation, then you're Okay, so you know so I mean? agree with your salary, but yes. in terms of this $12,000, like let's oh, say sure, your sure. interest rate was 2% and inflation was 2%. Yes. Even though the number gets higher, you know, the the value of the dollar changes yep. because of inflation. And so it's technically never growing relative to all of your other dollars. But here's the difference. That 2.2% that we just talked about could disappear mm -hmm. tomorrow in a recession yes. and that 3.8% will not disappear. Correct. Still not to be a, not to be a, you know, doomsday No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um but 
uh, interest. I mean, I'm sorry, inflation will still be about two percent. Yeah. So the the loan itself will be devaluing. All right. So so effectively, it's about one percent, one point eight percent interest. But even if it was before or below, I would say keep it because it's like nothing. Okay. I'm saying the opposite. Get the, get fucking rid of that shit. Hmm. No debt. You can start your life right now saving with no debt. Okay. That's my I, I just it's more of a maybe not a financially smart thing. I, you're you're a puritan. Thank you. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like a very uh pure I mean, get rid of the debt and I, I'm uh, trying to keep a simplified life. And I understand yeah. that like mathematically what Andrew is saying is correct and it's and it's weird because like I sort of a I think about the debt snowball versus the debt avalanche methods, and it's like, well, I kind of subscribe to the one that's like better for math and not for emotion, which is a debt avalanche version. It's like pay off your highest interest right. first. But with student loan debt, and I understand that like it, it could be gone. It could just be gone. Mm. And, but I feel that way about my house too. It's like that's debt, and I and it and it could be gone, but it's not smart. But this is we're not talking about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. We're talking about twelve, right? So, so not massive. Yeah. And I just want to say one thing, and then we'll move to the second half. Okay. Because she, because you said pay it off. I, I think that you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you said pay it off. Yeah. I think you just leave it, and so then there'd be a amount of money that she could invest, mm-hmm. and I would say, um, yeah, do it. Um, but also listen to some of her past episodes where, you know, we talk about where the economy might be. And yeah. so you can invest some and you should invest some, but maybe hold some for an opportunity fund. All right, there you go. So now, now let's do the second half. All right. Also, I am applying to grad school for the fall of 2019. I have all, I have the capital to pay for school out of pocket. Should I take out a student loan with an interest rate of around 4% and invest my money? Or should I pay for school straight out of pocket? What traits of the market should I take into consideration when making this decision? Or who should or shouldn't I use to pay out of pocket strategy? Or 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 should or shouldn't I use the pay out of pocket strategy? But basically. Yeah. Okay. So either take out a loan or pay out of pocket. And she says that she can actually pay out of pocket. And so what would you say? I'm just honestly. I'm just kind of against loans Hmm. right now. I'm just, I think student loans are the fucking devil. And if you can, and if you absolutely need to go to grad school, which I would argue it to begin with, maybe that decision, I know that's not, uh, not going to fly with a lot of people, but look, my, my, uh, I'm just kind of like, don't, Take out more loans, because I don't trust these motherfuckers with the these loan sharks. I agree with you there, and I guess I would question the reasoning behind the the graduate degree. And there there is a lot of things where you would need a graduate degree. For example, if you wanted to work with Elon Musk and SpaceX, you probably need a graduate degree in some ridiculous something. But uh, the thing is. She's 22, so she has yeah. little, if any, actual work experience. 
and often what will really raise raise your salary is work experience. Yeah. And so, if so you're you saying postpone think, the grad school a little bit, right? Or, or or just look at it like an investment, um, because like what is the going to be the return on this? It could be you know, yeah, it could be negligible. And and let's just be real. It is way college is awesome. It's like a little cocoon, and I loved it. And I didn't have to be really become an adult until I left. And I, if I was smart enough that I could have maybe postponed it, maybe I would have. Yeah. And I think that um, the growth you'll have leaving college and then perhaps having that perspective if you want to go back. Uh, I yeah. mean, you're, you're look, you're talking to somebody who didn't try to go to college and just. Well, you you grew up with uh, the school of hard knocks. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, um, but my did your dad like throw a hamper? At your head? <laughs> yeah, yeah we did. my dad, my dad gave me shit about that. <laughs> He's like, now everyone thinks I beat you. Yeah, no, I mean, I didn't go to school and I'm good, but I also worked since I was 13. I've been in the job market forever. I've been in the mm. workforce, so. Uh, and I was making more money than all of my friends who graduated college. I was at that when they were all getting out of college looking for jobs. I was already making more than all of them. Mm. So I have a different perspective personally. So my my immediate thought is fuck college in general. Mm. Like the, you know, but I understand that there are some professions like being a doctor, a lawyer, uh, maybe a rocket scientist, whatever that requires a degree. So but my brother, I, for my brother, for example, uh, he went to college. He got a job. He's making good money. Mm-hmm. He works at a college, granite, right. and they're like, "Hey, we'll pay for your uh, grad school." He's like, "And that's awesome." He's like, yeah, "I would then do it if they paid for it." Oh yeah, you know. But he didn't do it. He, I mean, he's been out of school for years, and now he's just going back. I mean, years later, he's he's thirty something. So, you know, it doesn't so, you don't have to go to grad school immediately after, and you're young and. And I, I would just say stay away from the loans, personally. Check this out. Okay. So, not not to like harken back to the, the you know the older days, but when I graduated college, yeah, I was lucky and I was in this graduate program that kind of put us into Lehman Brothers, and I was with a bunch of people that had graduated at the same time as me, and a lot of people also had graduate degrees in the same program, so yeah. they're a little bit older, yeah. Um, and I was like making like 60 something thousand a year. And this was like all the way back when the people with graduate degrees were doing the same job, like things that I was, they made $3,000 a year more than yeah. me. You know, when you divide that by 24, cause you paid bi-weekly and then you take taxes out and whatever, yeah. it doesn't amount to that much more for something that costs tens of thousands of dollars to acquire. Yes. And of course, we're, this is all anecdotal. Right, like our our paths are very different, sure. and our paths also didn't require a graduate degree. So, so going back to the money situation, I just am like, if you got, if you have the cash to pay for it, pay for it. Mm. I, taking out a loan, I just think like, no, don't give those fuckers any money at all. Like, don't give the banks anything. You have mm. the money. Give them nothing. I understand that you could possibly make more from putting that money elsewhere, but at the end of the day, 
when you're done grad school or you've paid this off and you're working while going to grad school or whatever, when you get that job, like you're going to have so much more money to invest then in the future that who knows what it'll be then. So like by, you know, you're right now, we're talking about little tiny, you know, two, three percent. Like, yes, I can make two or three percent more right now by not putting my money uh, you know, by not paying off my student loans and instead putting that money into something like Betterment or the stock market or wherever or real estate or whatever. But like that's small, that's tiny little percentages mm. here and there, like nickel and diming it. It's like, no, fucking pay off the student loans, get a great job, make hundreds of thousands of dollars and put all of that in the in the stock market and make your full seven to 12 percent or whatever. Mm. That, that's a good point. We're, we're splitting. We're literally splitting pennies on twelve thousand dollars. Yes. There. Thank you. <laughs> well, Laura, I hope that somehow, some way, answered your question. Meandered into accidentally helping Ooh. you. All right. Anyway, we're going to take a break. But when we return, we have three more questions. We'll be right back. Yes. Are you ready for more questions? Oh, I was born ready for questions. Wow. So when you were born... You knew that one day you're gonna <laughs> when be I was answering born, five. I was yelling at people. I was like, "Ask me anything." You were like, "Mom, there's gonna be a podcast one day that I'm gonna host." She's just like, "What are you? Ta- you're talking?" <laughs> anyway, dumb. Question number three comes from Austin, the person, not the place. I am just learning about making smart investments and had a few questions pertaining to the old trusty index fund. I am 27 years old. And I have a very low living cost and expenses. I have always been a saver, so I have a good amount of money sitting in a decently high interest rate savings account, which is around 2%. But I know I can do better with funds. After searching through funds, I landed with Fidelity's Zero Total Market Index Fund. I was curious what you thought about these zero funds. Pretty much a normal total market fund with no fees or expense ratio. I know they are young funds, so there's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot of data on returns right now. But personally, I can't see why they would be any different than a Vanguard total market with a fee. Additionally, would you recommend throwing a large lump sum like 10k into one fund at once, or would it be better to uh, slowly make purchases into that fund? They're largely. The same. Okay. I mean, to, to even go into differences, like, I don't know, maybe one is better. Who knows? They're, they're essentially the same thing. Um, and yeah, he is absolutely right. There's no reason to not do it. The, but, but perhaps understanding why Fidelity is doing this will, will color your, your thoughts. Mm. So um, this is what they would call a loss leader. And they're trying to get you to put your money into fidelity with the fidelity fund so that for the rest of your life they will try to upsell you on things and whatever and you may not care and it may be whatever but that is why they're doing it yeah and vanguard um and it sucks that vanguard is not free but to be perfectly honest running these things right well well first of all it's not free to do these things but 
Vanguard's model is the investors are owners of Vanguard. And so it's in the investor's best interest to have lower fees. So it is literally the cost to run it is what you pay with Vanguard. Um, which is why they would never have a 0% because they are already, everything is as cheap as possible. Mm. Fidelity makes an enormous amount of money on oh, a bunch sorry. of other stuff. Mm. Yeah, but comparing just those two, like, yeah, why not go with it? So you're saying principally you're just kind of leaning more towards Vanguard because of their overall business philosophy that you sort of align with. Every fund with Vanguard is as low as possible. And if, if you kind of like look over the years and we have articles that I literally update the, the amount of fees, they're constantly reducing it as they find efficiencies. Mm. Um, and I could just really get behind that, you know, model. And look, like you, you go to the gas station, you want a soda, you pay for it. Um, yeah. Well, um, not to not to be somber. Or to bring on a somber note, but I think you and I must pour one out for John Bogle. Mm, because cheers to that. Cheers. He recently passed away on January 16th, and uh, he brought us Vanguard. He changed the game. And I believe he brought us wine, too. I think Bogle wine is <laughs> his, his other thing, too, which I actually enjoyed quite a fair amount. And I, like, I could be totally like company, wrong about that. It is very affordable. I really hope that <laughs> that is true. He owned a winery, uh, but that's probably not true. Who knows? Anyway, uh, well, I hope, Austin, that answers your question. Do you think you answered that pretty well? Or, oh, no, no. Additionally, he says, would you recommend throwing a large lump sum in, like 10K, or would you, or would like slowly but surely, like add more and more? How do so, you feel about that? Um, statistically, lump sums always perform better. Mm. And I think it is more about. Uh, your risk, like your your ability and, and feeling for risk. Um, dollar cost averaging is a great approach. Yeah. Do $1,000 a month for 10 months, you know? So what um, are you saying? <laughs> What's your advice? If, if it was me, yes, if it was I me. would probably lump sum most of it, not all of it, yeah. and I would keep some on the side just to mull on. Personally, I would just do all of it because otherwise I'd spend it. Yeah. So... That's me. Thank you, Austin, for your question. Moving on to question number four from Joe. We all know we should save a percentage of our earnings each month for retirement. The question is, do you consider the money one pays each month towards a mortgage as part of this percentage? No way, Joe. Because some people <laughs> fucking do. Some people look at that they consider their house their piggy bank, their savings account. So the the home that you live in, yes, that have a mortgage on, that is a liability. It is something if you have a mortgage. You, if you have a mortgage, if you own it completely, then you know you don't have to pay sure money towards a mortgage. Yes. So, but and then it's an asset because sure. you own all. Of yep. It. But even though you own it, even though the bank says you own it, the bank when shit goes down actually owns it and they will super take it from you yep not just take it from you okay so the answer is no you should not consider the money that you pay towards your mortgage the percentage that you should be paying towards your retirement right i agree. now if you had a rental agree. property that is an investment well that hold on now why is that different because you you structure it as such 
because it is profitable. Yeah. You know, and it is money that is earning. It is not if money someone's that, renting it. Right. If someone is renting it with which you have experience. <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> I do. I do. All right. So but the answer is your no. home is icing on the cake. And I, I think that you will. Uh, I think it is a trap to consider it as part of your retirement. Done. Joe, thank you for your question. I think that I think and I think I agree. Actually, I 100 percent agree. All right. Question number five comes from a meaty one. Yeah, a meaty one comes from no one. Apparently, there's no name here. Oh, that sucks. We didn't. Maybe maybe they didn't want to be named. That's fair. Anonymous says. Excuse me. I'm mm. just uh, preparing myself for this long. Three paragraph question. Well, it's one paragraph and then we're going to talk about it. All right, here we go. Recently, I got a job offer to consult for a project that I had worked on. I am in the process of forming an LLC in Minnesota with the intention of electing S Corp to start work in January. From most of the research that I've done online, an S Corp seems to be the best option. Is there a drawback to being elected S-Corp if you are a consultant whose sole income is tied to the hours that you put in? So let's just stop there and answer that question. And and before anything, the the absolute necessary disclaimer is that me yeah. and you, yeah. Andrew Fieber and Matt Givenizzi, are not tax professionals by any means. Nope. And we could dispense opinions – but um, don't I think it's take. Just, I think it's just safe to say what you do. Safe to say what I use. I yeah. statements. Yeah, like this is the we're, and that's essentially how we're going to talk about. It. I just want to be clear that we are not giving tax advice. Fair. Okay. So here's some tax uh, advice. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now to dispense tax advice. Um, there is something when you're in. So when you're in an S corp or you're in a C corp or whatever, there's this thing called a reasonable wage Mm -hmm. and the irs is aware of loopholes in essentially not paying payroll taxes and we are going to get into the weeds on that for a little bit and that is one of the benefits of an s corp and a reasonable wage is a debatable thing depending on what you do i am just a humble blogger so my reasonable wage is very low sure um however the business that Listen Money Matters is, and the business of Money Lab and Swim University mm-hmm. and Brew Cabin, mm-hmm. is not tied to our time. No. Like, we put in time to build this thing, but it earns in a very detached fashion. Yes. And so, reasonable wage is something that we can debate. Mm-hmm. If you are a consultant earning based on your hours, it has been pretty well asserted that the reasonable wage is what you're getting paid for your hours. So that would mean that 100% of what you make is your reasonable wage. Got it. And that changes everything. Yeah. You mean that changes how you structure yourself? If you're, if you're a consultant. Yes. I am just going to tell you my story. Mm-hmm. I was, I've been reading a bunch of stuff. I was a, I, since the day I started my own company, I've always been an LLC. 
I was never a sole proprietor at any given moment in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when I did my first consulting job as a website designer, I was an LLC. Just I just felt, and it was, and actually, I had nothing to do with tax purposes. It was because I wanted to feel important. You know? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Find out what it means to me. That's what I wanted. <laughs> so, so I, that's what I did. Now, years later, this is, I started my company in 2008. Years later, I read an article by Mr. Money Mustache who was talking about, hey, if you're making over 40 grand a year from your business, you should be an S Corp. And here's why. Because I found out when I finally hired an accountant, which I recommend you do, Hmm. he was like, you have to pay something called self-employment tax, which is around 15%-ish somewhere in that area. 15.3. Is that exactly what it is? I don't know. It could change, too. Like, Mm. Oh, yeah, it can. Yeah, I was like, what the hell is this shit? It's like, well, because you don't work for a traditional job, you have to pay into, like, Medicare and... Other and, and unemployment, social security. Social security that's it. That's it. That's it. Right. So all of a sudden, my taxes were super high percentage wise as a you know LLC, which is basically a sole proprietor in the mm. sense that it's a pass through entity. Right. And you just get some legal protection. Some legal protection. So if I was to sue Swim University <laughs> right. for making my pool explode, yep, you'd be protected. In some yes. And, and so we, I had switched, <laughs> so I had switched from, so I am still an LLC as a, as an entity. However, I am taxed now by the IRS as an S corp, which means I now use payroll and I pay myself a reasonable wage, which my accountant had told me is about 60% of the revenue of your business. And it's mm-hmm. called the 60, 40 rule. So if you're, let's say your business is making $100,000, 40% can either go towards expenses or stay in your business, and you need to pay yourself at least 60%, which is $60,000. That's your reasonable wage. Uh, the good news is that that 60%, right, is, and again, not a tax professional, could be, I'm not, and this is just what I understand from my accountant and the research that I've done in the business that I own. That $60,000, if you're, again, if you're making $100,000 in revenue, that $60,000 would be taxed through payroll. That includes the unemployment insur- uh, tax. That includes income tax, state tax, all that shit, right? Mm-hmm. So pretty tax, pretty high because it's, you know, you're an individual. That other 40%, however, is just taxed as a business would be taxed. And you can take distributions on that. And because your pass-through entity is essentially your income tax. Yes, so my here's what I would say to answer the question. If you're a consultant and you're running a consultant business, a consulting business, why not start an LLC or an S Corp and give yourself payroll from day one? If you're making if you're gonna be making over forty thousand dollars a year in your consulting business, I say go for it. Just remember that you're gonna have fees with those with okay. that payroll stuff. I would say if you're a consultant and the sole consultant, you should just stay a single member LLC because you have to pay yourself all of the wages because that's what reasonable is. And by the way, mm. reasonable is after expenses. Right. So if you made 200000 and a hundred went to expenses, 
the remaining hundred you would split sixty forty. Right. And that that is even awesome if you save fifty percent. Companies like Apple, they're about only thirty percent is taken as profit. Right. Um and, and so the difference is if you are taking it all to yourself, which I think you should do in your case as a single member, you're just you're taxed uh, as you know with income tax and you get the entrepreneur tax, which is essentially the payroll tax you'd pay anyways. But if you're an S corp and you could arguably get a lower reasonable wage, like say sixty percent of the money is your salary, forty percent is not. A dividend per se, but it is similar in that it's not paid to you as a payroll. It's a distribution, right. and you still pay income taxes on it, right. but you don't pay payroll taxes on it. Right. And so you would save about 9% of whatever that amount amounts to. Right. Okay. Full stop, because there is a third point that uh, has kind of changed the game a bit, um, and it comes from... The orange man himself. Uh, he he released a tax cut. Yep. Uh, there were there were business tax cuts, and pass through entities, which is no. anything other than a C corp, mm-hmm. can qualify for up to a twenty percent deduction, which could mean, and this is the first tax year they're they're happening, and mm-hmm. so we will see how it really plays out. Yep. But how it has been broadly interpreted is if you had that hundred thousand dollars after or, or say you'd paid yourself sixty. Yep. Right? You have forty left. Yep. Twenty percent of that forty is tax free. Yep. Up to twenty percent of that forty is tax free. And so like there are a lot of benefits. But that that would also work uh it also works for a single member. Mm-hmm. Um you're a it's just twenty percent right. Um Yeah. Not a tax professional. No, but you are saying that this that this person, this anonymous person who wrote this question, should stay mm-hmm. as a sole proprietor LLC or whatever. Yes, and not do an S corp. Right, because an S corp requires payroll. LLCs and sole proprietors do not. What's gonna? What I imagine is gonna happen if you go S corp and you have to pay yourself the full wage, your taxes are gonna be. Roughly the same, mm-hmm. only you've added like five layers of pain in the assness to the whole process. You've added as payroll. opposed to payroll and then all of the other things that I think you take for granted that we have to deal with. Now, we have a sponsor on this show at some point mm-hmm. uh, because it's dynamic ad insertion. Uh, I use a payroll service company that is online and mm-hmm. it makes my life freaking easy. And I love it because it makes it automatic. And it pays True. my taxes for me. Yes, there is a fee involved with it, like there is with all payroll, but it's so simple. And I love and it. it. And it I've is actually very cheap too. I love this. Uh I love being having payroll for myself. I do. Mm-hmm. I, it's just it kind of it compartmentalizes. It makes you feel more real. Yeah, like compartmentalizes. But it compartmentalizes like, hey, I have a salary. Like I get paid at like a, the same amount every two weeks. Like it's yeah. kind of nice. For my own company, so it just, as 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 far as simplicity is concerned, I like it. Mm. You know, instead of having to just everything is mine and I have to decide what goes where, and you know, it's a it's I don't know. I guess it's like six of one, half a dozen of the other, right? 
I, I was going to use the exact same analogy. So, so in your case, it, it is maybe more of a, a, a personal choice. It's a bonus. Or, or if, I found or it, if a really good tax person advises you yes. and doesn't just like say, yeah, that's fine. Well, I, here's the thing. I, I think because of this service, I don't know why am I not mentioning it. Should I mention it? It's called Gusto. Okay, there you go. Uh, G-U-S-T-O. <laughs> yeah. We have both used it, them for years. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, the, I, I asked this, like, question. I was talking to him on the phone, like, can I change my salary every day? Yes. <laughs> and, they're all, and they're like, oh, my, well, I mean, I guess yeah, technically you could do it every day. I wouldn't. And I was right. like, it's kind of my bar of how, how configurable flexible. is right, it. Right, exactly. And, I, I do love it. The, the game changer is when you – change your number your uh-huh. salary number and it shows you immediately all the tax implications of everything mm-hmm. which it tickles me in all the right places yeah it, it's look i think uh if you're making decent money with your consulting business i, I say go for the escort and and mm. pay yourself through payroll and it, it's just you're paying your taxes like on like you're paying your taxes like any other employee would pay their taxes. You don't have to pay every quarter. Yeah. You do have to pay every quarter, but not all of it. So I don't know. I, I'm kind of like I'm liking where I am right now as a business. I do feel what you pay every quarter is what is not coming through payroll. Exactly. For you. Yes. Yes. Uh, so I don't know. That's how I here's you know that's what I think. Um. So I want to go to the second part of the question. Mm. So this person uh, graduated in 2014. So this is not even part of the question. This is just something I need to say about whoever (laughs) wrote this to us because Uh this is pretty amazing. So uh, he graduated in 2014 with $72,000 of debt. That's a lot. Averaging at around 5 to 6%. He realized he needed to figure out a game plan to get rid of that debt because uh, he had an he had an eighteen dollar an hour job and a minimum student loan payment of eight hundred dollars a month and it wasn't working out. Wow! All right, I mean, this is clearly this is two thousand fourteen. Okay, yeah. Fast forward to two thousand eighteen. He paid his last student loan payment all while starting a Betterment account and maxing the IRA for two years. Wow. He has a comfortable emergency fund and about halfway saved for a down payment on a future rental property. This this person is super ambitious, and I'm so, like, proud that they... Mathematically, I, I... don't understand how that is possible. Well, it, I I think implied in there in the four year gap is they they got a better job. Okay. It was it was like uh, the eighteen dollar an hour. So this is what he was starting with. With the eight hundred a month payment for student okay. loans was a breaking point. Got and it. And decided like this is not how it should be. Sure. I could do better. And like holy shit. Yeah, and it's- because. Depleting a seventy-two thousand dollar loan in and of itself in four years is really, really impressive for I would say most salary <laughs> that, levels. Honestly, I wish I could do that with my fucking mortgage, right? I mean, look, you put your mind to something, you make it your priority. It, it, things weird, awesome things can happen, and that's pretty awesome. I I would love if uh. 
we could get more to the story because I think that this would be super inspiring, mm. even for myself, because I don't. <laughs> it's a lot of money to pay down in three years. You need you need to save more. I'm you, need, to. you need a con condo Marie. I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> con con Marie. Your con life. Marie. Yeah, and your business. Uh, yeah. I I think. I would love to hear more about this if you could uh, email back in and give me some more details because what did you eat? Was it ramen mm. noodles? <laughs> because I love ramen. You know, I want to know. Grocery like, grocery food is the cheapest of the expenses, probably. Yeah, I just, especially if you're if you're a mouth of one. I want to know like what car you drove, how much mm. you spent in gas. I want to know. Do you have uh, people dependents? Do you have a a, a wife, girlfriend? Uh, boyfriend, whatever. Like, I want to know all of the things because all of those little tiny details are just just gives more context to how how crazy awesome this is, and, and it it makes it instructive so other people who relate or want to do the same can can follow that path. Exactly, and that's what it's about. Yes. So those are the five questions. If you missed anything. We'll have everything in the show notes. Don't you worry. Either check your preferred podcast app or visit listenmoneymatters.com slash show. Please subscribe wherever you normally listen to podcasts and tell your friends about us. Hopefully, they will become a subscriber if you point them to your favorite episodes. That would be excellent. Maybe five questions. Who knows? Yeah. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about on this show, email us, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com. All the tools and resources we normally mention on the show are available at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. And that is the end of the show. Nailed it. All right, Andrew. Later, man. Later, dude. Please tell your friends about this show. Thank <laughs> you.